Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Greg Barnes and Ross Martin. And guys, the football schedule came out on a snowy day in January. I know Ross has got some sledding to get done. Uh, didn't get much down here in Johnston County, but going to talk a little football anyway. Greg, I'll go to you first. Uh, you've seen a lot of these schedules come out. I can't remember it coming out this early, to be honest. It's usually maybe later in February or so, but your thoughts when you initially see it. I think Carolina got a fairly good draw um, given what, what, what they had to work with out of conference. Yeah, for sure. And this is actually the, the first time since, I believe, 2003 uh, that they have released it this early. And I think it was actually the same day back in 03. And so it's been you know, 20 years since it's been before them. Um, but part of that is the, the ACC is trying to get better. Yeah, they, they don't want to go to the process that the SEC has uh, where you know, you know Alabama, Tennessee is going to be a certain weekend every year. They don't want to do that because they want to make sure you know, they can adjust the schedule to get some uh, interesting matchups as best as they can forecast. But at the same time, they want to get it out as quick as possible because the fan base, all the fan bases, want to be able to schedule around those games. So I think they're trying to reduce the time between the end of the season and when they get the schedule out as best they can. But they also have, I think it's pretty interesting, they have a lot of different schools that, that request uh, you know, bye weeks for any given reason for a lot of different things. And I believe the number this year that I saw, let me see if I can find it here, uh, they had 32 requests. And they said that they delivered on, I think, 82% of those. Uh, so four out of five requests got hit. You know, North Carolina a couple of years ago when they had the, the university day deal, um, they requested to have things changed around then, and it worked out in UNC's favor. We've had the same issue with some uh, some Thursday night games um, that either have been held or have not been held, but that was an issue for a long time. So that kind of answers that initial comment, Tommy. But, you know, we, we have known the teams on the schedule. We were kind of interested in how it was going to play out. So you know, some of the games that we already knew of those first three, at California, at East Carolina, and then Central Florida coming in. But how was the, how was the ACC schedule really going to work out? Um, and I think they catch a break because you know, North Carolina has had such a hard time winning their opener in ACC play over the years. They get Pitt. Uh, you know, Pitt was arguably the worst team in the ACC last year. North Carolina was able to beat them. Uh, and you know, Pitt lost some some key parts this offseason. And so North Carolina gets to open up against the Panthers, so a pretty good chance there to jump out to a 1-0 start in the league. But then they go straight to Miami you know, five days later. Uh, and you know, that's that's a bear. I mean, Miami for sure will be the front runner to win the Coastal again. Uh, but I think really beyond that, I, I think the schedule sets up pretty good. I know a lot of fans don't like the idea of having uh, Duke and State side-by-side. Uh, late in the schedule. I, mean, I know there's a, a FCS team there in between, but we know what happened in 2016. And Larry Fedora said this year he'd prefer not to have you know, those two teams really kind of back-to-back. So they're going to have to navigate that. But uh, I think, by and large, this is a fair schedule. And this The bye week falls in a good spot. And uh, I think there's a lot of uh, positives uh, for North Carolina as they – uh, you know, it's not going to be another rebuilding year, but in a sense it kind of is because last year was somewhat of a lost season. 
So a lot of the same topics we talked about coming into 2017, we're going to be talking about coming into 2018. Ross, before this podcast, we, we said off the air, obviously you never know how good teams are going to be. No idea about North Carolina. But I'll tell you, from my experience or from thinking about this the last few years or maybe 10, 15 years, Carolina always gets a team that's not a big name that has gotten really good. Louisville a few years ago, Utah, uh, South Florida came to Keenan Stadium a couple times or at least one time where they had gotten really good. And now Central Florida comes on September 15th. They lose a ton. They lose all their coaches. And I don't know if that's really a name game for North Carolina, but your thoughts on how Carolina should maybe market that game. I mean, they're claiming they're the defending national champions. That's that's what I was going to say. You have the – national champion Central Florida team coming in. I think that's a, a huge allure. I think they kind of blew up on the national scene and claiming that national championship and uh, you're really going all in on that, paying their assistance, the bonuses and whatnot. They do lose a lot, but you would think they still have some talent. They've probably been recruiting pretty pretty well there. Um, and that's definitely a, a game to circle as a challenge for UNC and a good way to test how Tar Heels look. Um, and moving on from that, I think at Cal is, is going to be a tough matchup to start, um, especially given what they did to UNC uh, in 2017. And, and East Carolina could be a, a way for UNC to get their first victory. Um, and But when I look at these schedules, you got to always look at the bye week. And I'm sure we all have different kind of um, ideas of, of when is the best time for the bye week. But I think it's situated, it's situated pretty well. You got to think about you know, when this team is trying to figure out their identity and health and injury issues, and they get the bye week a little bit front-loaded in the schedule um, after ACC matchups against Pitt and Miami, um, and then the bye week is on that October 6th week. I think that's a good time because they'll kind of know what they have at that point. They can get healthy, they can work some things, and they go to um, they host Virginia that next uh, week, October 13th. Virginia Tech comes in town. Sorry, Virginia Tech comes in town. And um, I think the bye week works out well, um, especially given last year it came super, super late. But um, that's kind of my initial takeaways. I think there's a chance to get a couple wins early, East Carolina, potentially Central Florida, maybe Cal, Pitt. You know, obviously I think Miami is going to have their way with UNC. But then the bye week um, comes and then UNC really dives into the the girth of their ACC schedule. I think Ross is on a key point there when you, when you talk about getting some early wins. I like schedules that allow you to kind of get into the flow of things, and I like schedules where we have a pretty good idea of what a team's going to be like by the end of that first month. And I think we're going to know an incredible amount about this North Carolina team early. Uh, you mentioned you know, at Cal, you mentioned Central Florida. You know, Central Florida had a phenomenal year. They lost a couple you know, key pieces, uh, both guys that were graduating, had exhausted their eligibility, and some guys like Mike Hughes who decided to go pro early. But that was an incredibly young team, and uh, they're returning a lot of guys off their two deep. I mean, a majority of their guys off their two deep are back, including uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the country, Mackenzie Milton. I mean, what he did in the second half against Auburn was just incredible. And I know that he got a, he, he got at least one Heisman Trophy vote, if not more than that. Uh, so just a phenomenal kid coming back. So if North Carolina can can go to Cal, you know, and Cal's got a lot of guys coming back, got the quarterback returning, 
Uh, it's going to be a home game, second year under Wilcox. Boss that's, Bowers. That's a tough ask. Russ Bowers, that's right. They got a, a tough ask, I mean, to win that game out there. Uh, and then Central Florida with Milton coming in. Uh, so you, North Carolina very easily could lose those two games. But if North Carolina can somehow win those games and take care of business against East Carolina and Pitt, now all of a sudden you're talking about, hey, this team is 4-0. We have a pretty good idea of whether or not this team's legit. Um, you know, they could also be two and two, and then we're saying, okay, where are they going to find four other wins to try to get to a bowl game? Um, and so you know, maybe I think best case scenario, you're talking about three and one, probably going into that Miami game. And at that point, a lot of things are on the table. So uh, I really do uh, this year more than more than most years. We'll know a lot about the team uh, by the time they they travel to Miami there late in September. I don't disagree with that, but after three and nine, Greg, I look at a schedule that could be, but for the bye week, if it were flipped with Virginia Tech, and so they play Virginia Tech first, I look at a schedule that's similar to, was it 14, when they were one and five, and then they won out or won six of seven at the end of the season. 13, that's, yeah. 13. That, that's the kind of season I see. I mean, I think... Yeah, I agree that there have been many years we've gone deep into September and even October not knowing what type team Carolina has. But I think by September 15th, I think that game is going to set the tone for the season because Cal is a tough ask. Central Florida is a game that, while it's not a big name that I mentioned earlier, it is now, and it should be noticed. But then they have Pitt and then at Miami. I think it just sets up similar to that year. Do you see that at all? Or is that just something that kind of three and nine makes me think about? Yeah, I think three and nine plays a role in that because I I really think if if you know North Carolina's coming off two thousand fifteen, we know what they've got in two thousand sixteen. You look at the schedule saying, Wow, you know, maybe there's nine, maybe ten wins here. But when you're talking about a team coming off three and nine, that loses a lot of key pieces. I mean, we're talking about a team that's losing you know, five starters on offense, five key starters on defense, a lot of veteran leadership. I mean, the entire uh, core leadership group on defense is gone. Um, and then you're saying, okay, well, who's the quarterback going to be? What are they going to do about the offensive line? A lot of question marks for this team. And then you say, okay, well, first things, you get to go out to California uh, and, and face a guy or a team that's in the second year under the head coach that played pretty well in the his first year. They understand what he wants now. And then you got UCF, Josh Heupel, you know, I think is a pretty good coach. Uh, he's got a pretty good reputation. There's a lot of talent there. So you can go through each week and say, okay, well, that's going to be tough or that one's going to be tough. And um, so I don't, I don't know that I would say it's front heavy. I think there's a lot of tough games throughout the schedule. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you can, Depending on your level of optimism or pessimism, you can look at this and say, wow, you know, if they get to a bowl game, that would be a heck of a year. Uh, or they're going to have a hard time getting to a bowl game. Or, okay, maybe they can win seven, maybe eight. But I think you, know, you start talking about more than eight looking at the schedule, then I think uh, the, the Carolina Blue Shades are, are a little heavy. Of all the non-Power 5 conference teams for UNC to schedule and have to play, they pick the one team that's probably the best non-Power 5 team in Central Florida, which is kind of amazing. 
uh, given yeah. UNC's luck for football. Uh, you know, they look after the bye week. And I don't, I don't know if there's a lock win after the bye week other than Western Carolina on November 17th. I mean, Virginia, Syracuse, at Syracuse, at Virginia. Sorry, Virginia Tech, at Syracuse, at Virginia, Georgia Tech, at Duke, Western Carolina, NC State. I mean, who knows? I think all those teams except Western Carolina could could beat UNC, but I think UNC also has a good chance, you know, at Syracuse and at Virginia and at Duke and and with State, given how much they lose. And, of course, Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech at home um, are going to be tough games, but UNC gets them at home. And um, with the Georgia Tech game, you never know what's going to happen there. So we don't know how good these teams are. It's important to kind of recognize that fact. We don't know how good UNC is going to be, but – Given what you know, UNC loses on defense, and and what some of these other teams losing, it's it's a crapshoot right now. But I think it's a tough, a very tough schedule after the bye week, but with some glimmers of hope with the teams they do face on the road. Ross, what do you think about the crossover? I mean, Syracuse, of course, they beat Clemson up there last year, but yep. you, you lose Louisville, you replace them with at Syracuse. I mean, that's. Given what we saw this year, that may be a wash, but Syracuse certainly sounds more winnable than Louisville, at least on paper. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not like a Syracuse orange football expert. I'm pulling up their schedule right now. I like what Dino Babers does. I think he's a good coach. It's kind of hard just to win there because of the recruiting difficulties. But you know, they lost their last five games to close out the uh, ACC schedule. Um, they went, what, four and eight? two and six in the ACC. So yeah, not a, not a special team in 2017 outside of that win against Clemson. They beat Pitt, Central Connecticut State and Central Michigan. So yeah, that's definitely a good, you know, that'd be a, a game you look for UNC to win, not knowing how good a team's going to be, but that seems like a little bit easier than, than Louisville with Lamar Jackson. So uh, you like that, especially, um, you know, if it's going to be an away game, it's, it's, it is against kind of a, maybe an easier competition there. Greg, before we wrap it up, uh, just looking across the conference, I mean, there's some interesting matchups. Miami starts off with LSU, Louisville and Alabama. Though that'll be a the only question about that game will be: Does Alabama wreck Louisville's entire season on opening day? <laughs> they did to Florida State. But your thoughts around the block? I know you posted on the message boards on Tar Pit message boards. Boston College's last what six games about yep. as tough as you can get playing in the ACC yeah and you know, NC State's are right there with them I mean if you look at NC State's last six they're at Clemson at Syracuse Florida State Wake at Louisville at North Carolina uh, so we'll learn a lot about how good the Wolfpack are uh, as you as you get into late October and I think that's one of the the downsides to playing your rival that last weekend of the season is you know, State loses a ton off defense. They lose some, some key pieces off offense. But they've got a full schedule to kind of learn who's going to step up and who's going to play. So by the end of the year, uh, we're going to know a whole lot more about NC State, and they're going to be a whole lot better than they probably are that, that first weekend. So that, that doesn't necessarily play in North Carolina's favor, although the same can be said for the Tar Heels, of course. But I'm curious to see. Uh, what, you know, Clemson, we know, is is – going to be an elite team and they always schedule well I, I like the way their schedule set up they go to a&m you know, south carolina's kind of on the rise under Muschamp, so i think they've got kind of a good setup but beyond clemson you know, how good is the atlantic um and you know I, i'm curious that first weekend 
Virginia Tech's at Florida State. Uh, so Virginia Tech, you know, they didn't close very strong last year, although I like uh, Josh Jackson's good quarterback. And we get to see what Willie Taggart can do. Um, and so I think that's going to be a big game for the Coastal. But I think there's a, a number of games where the uh, where the Coastal will have an opportunity. I mean, Virginia's got Louisville at home early in the year. You know, maybe the Cavs can knock off uh, the Cardinals. So some games like that I think will be interesting to see you know, how well the, the Coastal matches up. And, of course, you know, everybody's already hyping Miami for a good reason to get back to that ACC title game. Who's going to challenge them? You know, does North Carolina have potential uh, that early in the year to even be competitive? Uh, we know that North Carolina was really hamstrung last year, and they were still competitive against Miami. So is Miami going to take that next step and handle teams the way they should, or are they going to slip up and make some mistakes? Uh, but I think the thing with the Coastal we've seen in recent years is that there are so many teams that are okay. Yeah, they're solid teams, but they're not great. And so is Miami ready to become great? And what about the rest of the teams? Is there going to be a lot of solid teams? And if that's the case, if Georgia Tech and Duke and Virginia are all pretty good, that makes winning some of these games even tougher for North Carolina. So uh, I think it'll be a fascinating year. We'll get to actually see, you know, does the cream rise to the top in the Coastal? And do we finally have an elite team there that can help the other teams kind of come along? Yeah, and Tommy, I know we want to wrap this up, but um... – you know, with, with where UNC is now as a team, you know, after the 2015-2016 season where you look like our Carolina's on the up and up and a very disappoint, disappointing 2017 season, we don't know a lot, but you got to think that traditionally and where UNC was heading that they should they should always be able to beat teams like Duke and Virginia and Syracuse and Pitt. Those should be wins, but it's not the case this year. We don't know how good they're going to be. But if things click for UNC on offense and a quarterback steps up, I think they have the weapons, the skill positions to be pretty good with the emergence of Jordan Adams as a freshman, um, Bo Corrales, Anthony Ratliff-Williams. I think the line can be good if they stay healthy. I think the defense is going to have a lot of question marks at linebacker, but the defensive line should be good and they have some players in the secondary. So there is a chance that they are surprisingly better than maybe we expected. So um, I think that's important to know because the games that I think traditionally would be lock wins uh, two or three years ago now are not. But, um, you know, things could change rapidly after kind of what we talked about in those first four games when we kind of figure out how good this, uh, good or bad, this UNC team in 2018 can be. Yep. Eight and five, eight and four certainly look very different depending on who you beat in there. And I think Carolina needs to get to seven or eight. We'll talk about it a ton, I'm sure. Long way till September 1st, but then again, it'll be here before we know it. The ACC schedule's out. If you hadn't checked out the full cross-the-conference schedule, go to the ACC.com. There's plenty to look at there. Guys, Ross, Greg, appreciate you joining me. Thanks, Tommy. Sure, Tommy. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.